Welcome to Paddling Adventures Radio. I'm Sean Rowley, and with me is Derek Specht. Hello. Been a busy uh, couple days there, Derek. We were uh, late last night. <laughs> I'm so tired. I need to get to bed to like 1.30 in the morning. No, I got home at 1.30 in the morning. Yeah, and then I had got home a half hour after that. <laughs> so at 2.30, bed, 5 o'clock, the alarm goes off. Good times. <laughs> we had a blast, though. Oh, yeah, it was good. It we was good. went to, uh, well, just north of Peterborough and uh, to the abode of Mr. Kevin Callan. <laughs> and uh, Andy Baxter showed up and we sat down and we chatted about the meanest link the trip they did and Kevin's new book, uh, Once Around Algonquin, An Epic Canoe Journey. And I've actually got him to sign my book too, the two of them. Because <laughs> I bought it and every time I have it and we're chit-chatting about stuff, I always forget to get them to sign oh, yeah? it. So yeah, they signed it yesterday. I thought about getting a book from him last night and I just, I just decided not to. <sighs> That's what I was going to, I was going to get sells him. sells books. You I know. was going to get him to sign it with like six different names because he never remembers my name. <laughs> he did this time. He did. He's, He's getting been working better on it. He, now he just needs to learn how to spell it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was good. That was an awesome night. Uh, we were sit, sitting down and we thought, okay, well, we're going to do an episode about their trip and the book and that. And, uh, hopefully it'll be an hour, not too much past an hour. Yeah. And almost four hours later. (laughs) (laughs) It was a long night. That was a long night, but it was a good night. Yeah. We, and, and as much as you try to keep them on, on track, just Mm -hmm. the straight narrow of this is our topic. There's what we're discussing. Let's go. Oh my God, there was so many tangents, uh, left, right, center, yeah. back, forward, When up, those guys down. get on a roll, like it was, uh, we'd be talking about, uh, you know, the topic and like the book and whatever. And then they, they'd be like, oh, remember this time yeah. on this campsite or this trip or like they were constantly distracting each other, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. And you know what? <laughs> it, it was cool. I mean, um, I had planned to go there and record an episode to play and, uh, you know, in an upcoming week here. And, uh, I think I've got enough for three episodes. <laughs> so I think I, I, I just got to go through all of the, all the footage, yes. uh, the, uh, yeah. the, the recordings and, uh, um, cut it down, do some editing and stuff. But I think I've got enough. There's going to be three weeks of us with Andy and Kevin. Well, that's awesome. So, so yeah. that's convenient so we, because, uh, we got three weeks off, buddy. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So it, it is actually convenient because you're going away for a couple of weeks. I will be away. And where are you going? <laughs> hey, Derek, what's new? <laughs> <laughs> well, Sean, <laughs> now we haven't talked much about this. I've been, I've been avoiding talking about it until it was more timely until we were sure the logistics were going to work out. But, uh, so there's a group of four of us, and uh, if anybody were were paying attention when we uh, I did the presidential traverse, I did the uh, mountaineering trip uh, down in the White Mountains of New Hampshire, and so that was with uh, a group of six of us. So four of that group, so Grant Brower, Johnny Stinson, Peter Romain, and myself, uh, on the first Sunday of June, we're going to head out into Algonquin Park and we're going to do the meanest link. And that's in two and a half weeks. It's very close. Not even a full two and a half. Yeah. Just over two weeks. It's coming up. It's super close. <laughs> that's going to be cool. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. you're all prepared? 
Uh, we have, there's, we're just trying to finalize sort of uh, a few little logistics things like, uh, like we're, we're sticking to, we're going to stick as close to the, the, the sort of uh, informal rules that apply to the Minus Link. Right. But we are going to do food drops. Yeah. Uh, just because it's, it's such a long trip. It's, we can't be having like 150 pound packs, right? No. So, and with the, with the amount that, with that time of year with the cold, you're going to consume more energy. So we're going to need more food for that. Uh, we're going to have some long days. So there's going to be a lot of energy spent. So we need a lot of food. And, uh, so we can't carry that much food and, mm-hmm. like, and well, see, we want to try and have some fresh food too, right? Yeah. So it's easy enough to carry like, you know, two weeks worth of freeze dried food. That's not much weight, but it's bulky. But with, uh, us wanting to have some luxury items and, and whatever, then it's, it's, we're going to have to do some food drops. So maybe, you know, fresh milk and, you know, some eggs, uh, occasionally for at the food drop days and stuff like that. Right. So, yeah. So that's, uh, all of that logistics is now sort of, uh, is being finalized. And we're also trying to figure out, uh, regarding weather. Now we're not worried about rain and stuff like that. What we're worried about is the late spring, the late summer that's hitting us. And, and right now we're, we're starting to head towards a, uh, a peak in the watershed and the uh, flood levels. So it's, uh, some of the Northern lakes still have quite a bit of ice on them. So in two weeks, the ice will probably be gone, but that water's going to be cold. And, uh, one of the big watersheds, part of the route on the, uh, on the Mises link early in the trip is going to be the big East. Right. So a lot of that water pouring out of Algonquin, you know, that watershed area is going to be some cold water. So we're like, Oh, do we get some like, uh, neoprene booties and wetsuits or dry suits or, but with dry suits, if you're working hard and paddling, you're going to be, it's going to be just too hot to be in a dry suit. So we're trying to figure out the finalize those details and hopefully we get a bunch of warm days between now and then so that the water will warm up mm-hmm. and we don't have to worry about hypothermia. As it is on the bigger lakes with their, when they're cold, we're going to stick close to shore. So if we, yeah. if there's heavy winds and waves and we get dumped and we can just shoot ashore and, and day's done, build a fire, set up camp and we're done for the day to, you know, there's, what was it, uh, last weekend, a, a gentleman, uh, uh, he overturned his canoe in Algonquin Park and uh, air ambulance had to uh, pull him out of the park due to uh, hypothermia reasons. So it's uh, yeah. it's a big risk this time of year with the cold. Well, I think the big part is with the Big East. Yes. You're going to be in the water. Yes, exactly. Because you're going to have to be lining the canoe well, up. Yeah, and, we're, and uh, yeah, we're going to be walking the whole <laughs> yeah. Big East into the park, right? So unfortunately we're going against the water. And so we chose to do a clockwise rotation of the, yep. the Minus Link. And, uh, we're going to start at Ox Tongue on the Sunday. And, uh, so we'll be, uh, leaving Ox Tongue at the Algonquin Outfitters there. Uh, we're going to get a send off with, uh, with some of the key guys who's ever is available at the time at the, uh, Ox Tongue store and then head off to, uh, Huntsville. We'll, we'll go to the Huntsville AO store. And, uh, so that'll be, that'll be basically the first day. And, uh. Does it only take a day to get from the ox tongue to the... Th- that's, that part's not bad. It's the Big East is going to take a lot of time. Yeah, I thought it was a two-day trip to paddle to Huntsville. 
Well, it depends on how long a day you want, right? Yeah. So we're going to try and save some time there because we're going to lose a lot of time on the Big East, right? Yeah. So we have yeah, two. Yeah, Big we, East usually takes about five days. Yeah. So we're, we've got uh, we've got uh, two weeks set aside to do the Minus Link. And uh, so we're going to try and do the whole thing in that time. Right. So we're going to, you know, have to play it safe, have to be careful, have to, you know, safety first, uh, stuff like that. But uh, it's, I'm excited. I'm looking forward to this. We've been uh, planning this uh, for quite a long time. It was, uh, they originally asked me, oh, I don't know when they asked me, but uh, stupidly I said yes. And then I had to tell them, listen, guys, I just can't do this trip because we had so many things planned. Uh, yep. You know, me and you were going to do the uh, the big trip in the fall, which now we have canceled. And there's a couple other things that could cancel. So they asked me again. It's like, oh, no, guys, I already backed out. They said, no, we want you to go. And uh, <laughs> Yeah, because so, they had asked me originally to do that. Yeah. And I threw your name into the hat saying, you yeah. know what, I can't do it because I, I don't have any time left. And, mm-hmm. you know, we're heading down to um Yeah, and that's what I told them initially too. All that and, to do. And then they... They wore me down and convinced me to say yes. Yeah. Well, you 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 didn't have anything like a 25th anniversary to back out of, so you, you were the more likely candidate to say yes. yes. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. Yeah. I I couldn't go. Like I say, we're heading down to the Mississippi and um, Tennessee and all that uh, for uh, just over a week there mm-hmm. in the fall. So, um. Then with the other things I've got going, just there just yeah. wasn't enough days left. And I was in so. the same boat, but uh, just with the, the my schedule has opened up quite a bit after our trip got canceled, yeah. and so it was most of my vacation for the year was was set aside for the trip that we we're supposed to do. Yeah, well, it's still future in the poss- works. It's just possibilities. future possibilities. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so you, the uh, you're going for the first week of June, first two weeks of June. Yep, you got the four reviews going. Sponsor. So, yes. So, uh, the, uh, Randy, I can't remember his last name. Uh, yeah, of so OTG Randy of Meals. OTG Meals. Yeah. So on the go meals, he has a, uh, he's just getting his, uh, his company up and running. So, uh, he's supposed to be, uh, making his big splash in June. Yep. And, uh, so ahead of that, uh, he's, uh, agreed to, uh, sponsor, our trip for the meals link. He's going to provide two full days of meals. And, uh, so four guys, two full days, what's that? Uh, 24 meals, 24 meals. Yeah. So that's, uh, that's, that's, well, yeah. that's a lot of help. 12 like, meals. That's amazing. Well, when you're looking at, cause they're freeze dried custom made meals, right? Freeze dried custom made. Yes. Yeah. So when so, you're looking at that, I mean, that's, that's a pretty penny you're paying yes. out for the meals. Oh, exactly. Now, yeah. when you, if you think about going to like sale or mountain equipment co-op or something like that. Oh yeah. And you're looking at those, those dehydrated meals. So those typical dehydrated meals are. Anywhere from 10 to 20 bucks. Yeah, exactly. So you multiplied that by 24. Yeah. That's quite a bit. It's, it's, it's like 500 hundred, bucks. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so that, uh, yeah, that, yeah. Cause Randy had uh, dropped me a line there a while back and said, hey, you know what, here's what I'm doing and here's who I am and yeah. all that. If, I'd love to be able to um, maybe sponsor one of your trips you guys are going on and provide you with your meals and all that. And I said, well, funny you should mention. Mm-hmm. Because this is just after we were talking that you were you were back on that. Back in the meanest Back in link, the yeah. mix uh, for the meanest link and that. And uh, so I tossed him your name and said, yeah. you know what, see what it does and, uh, yeah. you know, let them know that you know, we'll, we'll, whatever you're going to get, give them. Yes. Then we'll, yeah. you guys will do a good, uh, we'll do some coverage, chat we'll about re- it review and, the meals, yeah. we'll get it on video and stuff like that. We're going to be, uh, like a couple of the guys are bringing GoPros, we're going to be 
doing a lot. I'm going to take my phone just as a, to take some pictures and video yeah. and stuff like that. So we're going to put together some stuff afterwards and like a video, a trip log and stuff like that of the whole, of the truth of the route of the trip. So I'm looking forward to that. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll be able to, uh, you know. Well, you eat good for a couple of days. Yeah. Do you have your, your some of the food that he's going to give you? Yeah. So uh, he sent us a menu. And uh, so these, now I don't know if everybody's familiar with uh, freeze dried. It's uh, so I'm used to uh, the, uh, dehydrating food. So basically making jerky and stuff like that. So, you know, you, you end up cooking the water out of everything at, uh, at a low temperature, right? So freeze drying, it's just that you, you freeze it, it evaporates all the water really quickly and it doesn't damage the meal. And uh, so this is what the product that he's creating. He's worked with uh, a bunch of local farmers and uh, and uh, other harvesters and he's got uh, all kinds of meals that he's yeah. engineered and planned then freeze dried. And so you end up with like uh, something like you it'll all you gotta do is add water and you get your, your, your meal. meals rehydrated, right? So he's got, uh, the menu that he provided us is just a preliminary. He's going to expand later, but he also told us that if there's anything particular or special that we wanted, he would just make that meal and freeze dry it for us. Can he freeze dry steak and lobster <laughs> with Caesar salad? <laughs> I wonder what would happen to a salad. I don't think that would turn out well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you let me know. <laughs> but I've heard, uh, I remember one of the shows we talked to Gail Booze, her and her husband have a freeze dryer. And she said that when, so they had little ice cream treats for us. So yep. she did ice cream sandwiches that she freeze dried. And so it was just like, uh. I can't remember what the, uh, the, the caramel fudge or, the uh, Macintosh is, I, whatever it is. So it's just this freeze dried ice cream and it's like, it's fantastic. It's like chewy and crunchy and it's pretty cool. Anyway, so she was telling us that, uh, she's tried chicken breast and so she's freeze dried cooked chicken breast. You have to cook it first. Yep. And so you freeze dried that cooked product and it takes all the water out. All you gotta do is rehydrated in water and it comes right back to normal and uh obviously there will be some changes physically to the meat but uh, it's pretty much back to normal anyway so uh this guy's menu that he sent us for us to choose from it uh so he has uh, two breakfast items it's eggs with smoked cheddar cheese and eggs with peppers mushrooms pea meal bacon and smoked cheese sounds pretty darn sounds pretty darn good uh two lunches that he has available is ramen with chicken, mushrooms, and peppers. And another one is cream cheese dip with salami and crackers. And then uh, dinners or large lunches. He's got uh, pulled beef chili, chicken pot pie, chicken and dumplings, stroganoff, mushroom risotto, coconut curry with rice, squash ravioli with spinach and cream sauce, chili mac and cheese, shrimp fusilli with spinach, tomatoes, and pesto, Butter chicken with rice and lasagna. Wow. <laughs> it's it's a nice menu. Yeah. So we've all picked here and there, picked uh, different items so that we're all going to give them a test, taste try and right. share back and forth. And so it's, uh, I'm excited about that because I, I'm used to uh, like Lipton sidekicks and tuna and yeah. and stuff like that or, or you know, mountain Just house reheats stuff. reheats or. Yeah, yeah. So you're basically having pasta, you know, five days a week. Yeah. Right? So it's, so this is going to be neat to, uh, do something different and, uh, kind of make the meal special. Right. So well, it, I, hope it, it, I hope it tastes fine. 
Oh, uh, I, it, I don't think it. I don't think there'll be a problem. With I don't it. think there'll be a problem either. And it's going to be interesting. We're going. It's going to be a bit of a learning curve, learning how to. The directions are going to be all. It's all bagged and directions yeah. and everything. So it'll be a learning curve. Know how to rehydrate because you're not cooking. You're adding hot water to a lot of the items just to rehydrate. A little bit it. at a time, yeah. sort of thing. Yeah. So like it's basically. If you get a mountain house meal, like some kind of chili or some kind of pasta, it's basically the same thing. You're just adding yeah. hot water, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure it's just a open the bag sort of thing at the top. Exactly. Add the hot yep. water. Because yep. I think I saw a video. Somebody posted a video of him and it was a bag open and somebody had a fork and they were yes. digging in. So he's posted that on his Facebook page on On The Go Meals. Is it, uh, yeah. On The Go OTG Meals. Yeah. Yeah, and so that that, that video is is uh, I was just looking at that a few minutes ago, and it shows him uh, with the uh, it's just like the Mountain House bag, the or whatever you get at MEC or yep. sale, and and uh, so that's how he's producing it too. But he's so he's but he's has a more of a custom menu as opposed to yeah. the typical Mountain House stuff. Cool. So yeah, that's awesome. I'm excited for that. So this sounds like it's going to be pretty good. Mm-hmm. If only he could dehydrate or freeze dry beer. Yeah. I don't think that would work out well. <laughs> Taking all the water out of beer. Yeah. Yeah, I know. No, no, no. But then you need to find one of those uh, springs in Algonquin Park and add spring water to your powdered beer. There you go. Made with real spring water, just like Coors. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, I think you guys are going to have a blast. Yeah, I'm it looking really forward It really sounds like it. Yeah. Um, What's happening here? Oh, uh, not this weekend, because this weekend's May 2-4. Yep. Uh, the 24th of May, Victoria Day weekend. They still call it Victoria Day weekend, right? Yeah. And <laughs> yes, May, May 2-4. Uh, well, it depends on where you go. Is it across Canada, the same thing? It's all... So I think in Newfoundland, they call it something different. Yeah, I don't know. May 2-4. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, so yeah, yeah. Usually I don't end up going away on long weekends. Yeah. Because everybody and their brother are on the roads and in the you know everywhere. Yeah. Everything's yeah. packed and you're just like oh, I, I yeah. I'll stay home and get stuff done. <laughs> but May twenty fifth, twenty sixth, uh, camper Christina had uh, sent a note saying, "Hey, let's go out for a paddle." So I don't know if we're going to do a day paddle, if we're going to do a an overnighter somewhere. Uh, it was, it'll be kayaks. Yeah. But we're going to take the kayaks. Yeah. Uh, so it'll be my first paddle of the season cause I haven't been out yet this year mm-hmm. and we're just being too busy and you know, yeah. ice is now off. So, uh, that'll be my first paddle of the season, but yeah, maybe, uh, Kawartha Highlands or QE2 or something like that and mm-hmm. give it a whirl and, uh, it'd be nice to get out on the water this year already in June. Yeah. Yeah. Cause well, I mean, I'm usually... Well, actually that'll still be May. Cause usually I'm in the first two weeks of June. I'm usually on the water at some point yeah. doing the father's day weekend or something like that. And, uh, uh, my nephew actually is back in town and last year I did the uh, canoe trip with like, I did one weekend, long weekend with my wife, one with my daughter, one with my son. And, uh, I'd mentioned to him cause we had the family day birthday dinners here the other on the weekend and yeah. uh, said, listen, when. When uh, Mackenzie and I go, if you want to come along as well, and because uh, they can go in the Prospector and I'll take the Osprey. Perfect. Right? And uh, yeah, we'll do a... And my, a, my kayak's in there too. Somebody could take that. Well, no, we're, it'll be canoes. Oh, you're doing canoes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, um, 
Yeah, so he's he's right into that. He'd get out and do some some paddling and mm-hmm. Algonquin and stuff like that. Nice. So yeah, so that's coming up. And John Van Berger. Yes. He's hopping all over the place. He's busy. If, if we've been trying to uh share his posts there. Mm-hmm. Uh but between his Yukon journey presentations yep. and his oh shit kit presentations. He's down in Texas doing them. Yeah. He's a, he's even doing stuff like at local libraries and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And there's tons of people. There was a local, I think, TV station or something that wanted to do a little, they were going to do a little uh, oh, thing. Oh, yeah. I remember him mentioning On that. his presentation and all yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Was, Did he talk about it afterwards? I don't, I don't know. I just noticed it again today. Yeah. So I, I got to follow up with all that. But uh, yeah, there, he seems to be getting along with this, hitting a lot of spots, getting a lot of people wanting to- awesome. uh, hear his uh, spiel on it. So, um, yeah, if you're, if you're don't see the links on our page, follow John Van Berger. Uh, he's got, he always posts the links on his Facebook to all the little yep. places he's speaking. And if you get the chance to go check him out, definitely go check him out, especially the Yukon journey presentation. Uh, there was some really cool stuff, uh, pictures and video and stuff that they saw when they were up on the Yukon and, uh, you'll, you'll really enjoy that one. The other biggie thing that's all over Facebook the last couple days, the Boundary Waters Canoe Area Wilderness. Guess what's happened? <laughs> Take a guess. It something, has to do with the man in orange. Something, <laughs> the orange man. <laughs> the orange man. <laughs> something detrimental, I'm sure. The U.S. Department of the Interior today renewed two mining leases near the Boundary Waters Canoe Area Wilderness. The decision opens what many consider a pristine watershed to mining by a foreign-owned company. Mm-hmm. Not good. There's a company called Twin Metals. is owned by a Chilean mining conglomerate. And they've been pressing for a while to get this yes. open for copper and nickel mining. And 2016, Obama had said, no, it's not we happening. We are protecting We're this protecting sensitive watershed. Yeah. And there was a big huzzah throughout the land. Yes. Because there's the Save the Boundary Waters group and everything like that. They and everybody was for decades to protect it. Static. Mm-hmm. That it was being protected. And um, now Trump's administration has turned around and go, yeah, well, forget that. Yeah. Business is yeah, more important. Here we go, buddy. And the newly opened leases sit inside the Superior National Forest. Mm-hmm. So they had this, uh, um, public comment period and stuff like that. And the Bureau of Land Management said it got more than 39,000 comments during this review. And the majority of them were opposed to yeah. the mining, right? So the so, public at large is yeah. opposed to it. Yeah. The public at large is opposed to it. Government's not paying attention. They're, they don't care. No. They're not listening. They have an agenda. Yeah. Right? The proponents of this mine say it will create thousands of jobs. <laughs> you know, I, I'm sure it's going to create jobs, but thousands. Yeah. So there's going to be a whole bunch of, uh, it's going to be a bunch of be the, this mining conglomerate from Chile is going to bring along a lot of their own people. It's, mm-hmm. it's what they do. You have, they're, they're going to have a local headquarters. They're going to move in their own people and you're going to see a few of the locals maybe driving trucks and, but a lot of the stuff is automated. A lot of the mining equipment yeah. is automated and it's, uh, there's a lot of robotic stuff going on. So it's, it's not the big job maker that everybody puts it out to be. It's, it's, uh. They're not down there with pickaxes anymore. No, it's not like that anymore. Headlamps. Yeah. You know, 
It's all like the one guy from a, 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 a central room is running all these remote machines mm-hmm. and, and mining and stuff like that. And uh, so he's got like 12 monitors and he's just driving multiple machines doing multiple work all yeah, automatically. Yeah, I, I don't know where they're getting thousands of jobs yeah. out of this. Anyway, so there's a lot of outdoor and, cons- and conservation groups that are now just all over this. Oh, yeah. Up and Like I say, uh, yeah. Facebook has been just hammered with, yeah. with these ads again. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tom Land, Tom Landwehr, the executive director of the campaign, Save the Boundary Waters, called the environmental review completed by the administration wholly insufficient. Mm-hmm. Right. And back in 2016, the Forest Service concluded that sulfide ore copper mining posed an inherent risk of irreparable harm to the irreplaceable wilderness. And last year's Trump administration canceled a study that would have confirmed it. Hmm. So right there, that tells you right off the bat. They've got their own agenda, Mm -hmm. like you say. Groups of anglers and hunters who depend on this area for recreation and food are also condemning it. Yeah. Because there's... How can you just ignore that many people? I know. I know. Like, Like, it just doesn't make sense. Like you have to try very hard to uh, to turn a blind eye to what the the public at large are their intents and their need and their wants, right? Yeah. So you you uh, it's when you state that uh, you know b- business is more important than the public and the environment, then obviously you have uh, you have the wrong direction. You're looking at life the wrong way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's definitely this is gonna, something's going to happen. Mm-hmm. You know, but. When when's the next election in the states? Twenty twenty. Really? So, so that's like yeah, you got yeah. a couple of years of this left. So it'll be November twenty twenty. Yeah. Wow. Well, we'll see what happens. Keep an eye on it, and yep. uh, we'll follow along and see what happens. Hmm. Anyway, uh, let's take a quick break here, and we come back. We're going to talk about what do you call it? Volunteerism. Yes. Which is a pretty <laughs> cool term. Hi, this is Dark Sparst. You're listening to Paddling Adventures Radio. If you like what you've been hearing, you can find out more by checking us out at paddlingadventuresradio.com, as well as on Facebook, Instagram, and on Twitter. You can find all of our episodes on iTunes, Google Play, and the episode page for our website, where all our podcasts are available for download or streaming. We love to hear from our listeners, so if you have a suggestion for the show or want to let us know how we're doing, please drop us a line. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the show. This portion of the show is brought to you by Algonquin Outfitters. Algonquin Outfitters, providing quality Algonquin Park backcountry adventures for the entire family since 1961. Whether you want to get on the water for a day or a week, the friendly staff at Algonquin Outfitters can help you out. Find them online at algonquinoutfitters.com or visit one of their 12 locations. Algonquin Outfitters, your outdoor adventure store, with locations in Algonquin Park, Muskoka and Halliburton. Welcome back. Uh, before we get to volunteerism, yes. So you just noticed that something was actually just published. Well, actually, not just published. It's, it's published tomorrow. It's published tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Time zones—they confuse me. So uh, yeah. So uh, the latest update, and there's the latest story. Uh, so I, I had been following it, but I just it kind of funny that I was looking at an article that's dated tomorrow. But uh yeah, so the uh the Russian priest, the uh Fedor Konikov, I hope I'm saying his name right, but 
I'm sure I'm close. Anyways, Fedor Konokov, he, uh, he's that Russian priest who is uh, rowing, he's rowing around the world. And uh, so he's, uh, he's doing it in three legs, uh, starting December of each year for the most compatible weather, right? So he just finished his first leg and uh, it took him 154 days. He had, he had planned on 120 days. It took 154 and that was because he got walloped by bad weather, right? Anyway, so he arrived in, uh, in Chile, uh, Puerto Williams on Saturday, um, it would have been May 11th. So his, uh, his son and the team, uh, met him off the coast of Chile and, uh, he went into shore. And so his first leg is now complete. And so it's, uh, he set a few records and stuff. So it's, uh, uh, first human powered to cross that latitude and longitude. And yeah. there's a few things, right? Yeah, and so, he, he did have some issues with his, well, the solar panels that we talked about. Yeah, so he get he got rolled a couple of times in yeah. really bad storms. His wind indicator was broken. Is uh, he lost half of his solar panels? And but he's he has lots of backups. He has you know he has uh, on board uh, some sort of generator and this mm-hmm. and that. So anyway, so he he made it safe and sound. Uh, Eleven thousand five hundred kilometers. Wow. And uh, one of the stories it was noted that. Uh, in in one particular storm, he lost a hundred kilometers because the wind blew him backwards, backwards the other way, and he just couldn't paddle into it. Right? Yeah. So, but yeah, so his uh, his first leg is done. He is uh, in Chile. He's uh, he's doing some repair work, and his next leg will be December twenty nineteen. So yeah, it's uh, he's he's so in. That's a he's few safe. months away. He'll get his boat back in order. And yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Uh, and on that note, yes. speaking of open wide ocean, well, open wide ocean and <laughs> on it by yourself, yes, record barrel ocean crossing. <laughs> I came across this one. It took 128 days, but a 71 year old Frenchman drifted by wind and current across the ocean. Jean-Jacques Savin built a custom capsule barrel from resin-coated plywood that was heavily reinforced to resist pounding waves. It launched weeks ago from the Canary Islands and bobbed without an engine to the Caribbean island of St. Estatia, near the Dominican Republic. Seven reportedly arrived in good health and celebrated his achievement with a local beer. Okay, so how much food and water can you carry in a barrel? How big was this barrel? Did he, and it was just wind driven, right? Yeah. Did he have a sail or it was just it, the barrel? It doesn't. It didn't say. This is all I could find on it. Was <laughs> he floated for 128 days in, in a, a barrel. barrel? How much wine and cheese must he have had in that? <laughs> a barrelful. <laughs> a barrelful. So I, when I see stuff like this, I, I wonder about the mental health of some of these people that do these things. He's 71 years old. How old is Fedor? Oh. 80, he's 81 or something, yeah. isn't he? I don't know. He's he's old, but he's very accomplished. He's very fit. He, this is the stuff that he does. But I wonder what this guy's done. He's oh, Fedor is sixty six. Oh, he's the only sixty six. Yep. Oh, well, then he's got like five years till he does something kooky like this. <laughs> <laughs> so build yourself a barrel, jump in, and you, then see where it takes you. How it's can like that a, be your plan? It's like a note in a bottle. Throw it overboard. See where it goes. So I guess you could prepare for this trip by sending out a GPS unit in a barrel and see where it goes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Or, or I guess this will work. 
hold on to the GPS and jump in the barrel and see where your GPS goes. But to go in blindly, I would want to send it off solo without without myself. Just send it out with the GPS and ocean track it, see where it comes from, where see where it goes to, and see how long it takes to get there. Because you need to plan uh, your your food and your water and and hopefully the trade winds are going to carry you in a favorable direction. Maybe he wasn't uh, looking to actually land and make it. Maybe. Maybe, right? maybe he you had other plans and he just, oh, darn it, I'm back on land again. This is you not don't what know wanted. what's going to go through his head. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, kind of uh, kind of kooky that... Uh, yeah. Yeah, so anyway, he I, made it. Way to go. I don't know how you plan something like this. And it's, you know, like You're hoping for the best. You're hoping for proper trade winds. No big storms that are going to swamp you and sink you. <laughs> well, it doesn't say anything about what had happened except that he made it. How do you carry 128 days worth of water in a barrel? Yeah. <laughs> this likes, it just suddenly I have pictures of people going over Niagara Falls in barrels. It's like, this, this, this is like. This be a big barrel. Yeah. I hope so. Yeah. Like I'm talking like <laughs> space capsule sized. Maybe. Maybe barrel he's got like. With one a strapped of these, in chair. Yeah. One of these gigantic fermenting barrels, like a winery or a yeah, distillery or something. Must have right? been something massive. <laughs> I don't know. Wow. Or maybe he's only like. Three foot four or something. <laughs> Maybe Smurf size. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? Anyway, so that happened. So, wow. so your uh, fedora's got uh, competition. Some competition. <laughs> uh, voluntourism. Yes. So from the 26th to the 28th of April, 100 volunteers from 25 countries were welcomed by the Faroe Islands to join forces with locals to lay the groundwork for a more sustainable future for their unspoiled islands. Now, the Faroe Islands are... So they're right between Iceland and Norway. They're out in the middle of the ocean, North Atlantic. Right. So it's it, and it's really remote. They're yeah. just this these series of small islands out in the middle of nowhere. And they wanted people to come. Well, they closed it. They said, we're closing yes. down for a weekend. So it's it's hard to maintain. Like, they're, they're saying they're getting about 110,000 people, and it's just a mm-hmm. small series of islands. There's not many trails. There's not many, and you know, uh, hotels or anything like that. So it's, and so you get a lot of foot traffic, a lot of people hiking the trails and stuff. So there's a lot of wear and tear. And it's remote. They don't have a lot of, uh, it's not like the, it's, tourism is their, their one of their main businesses there. But it's not going to bring enough money so you could hire a lot of people to maintain this stuff, yeah. right? So it's it's it, the the natural areas were getting worn down from too many people loving them, right? Yeah. Well, and that's, that's exactly it. You get all the people coming and walking the trails and all that yeah. erosion and stuff like yeah. that, right? End up with worn out goat paths. And so, yeah, so the they, and I think it's a fantastic idea. They said, uh, hey, we are closed for business unless... You want to come and volunteer your time. They had 3,500. That's incredible. Applicants. Yeah. To come and do this. And it's too bad I heard about it after the fact, mm-hmm. but it was so successful. They're going to do it again. So it's not really after the fact, which is why we're talking about it today. It, it's a fascinating thing for them to do. And, and, um, they're receiving applications now for 2020. Mm-hmm. But, uh, what's, what's interesting is, so these, they had out of the thirty five hundred, they had they picked handpicked one hundred of them as volunteers, 
And so these people showed up on the Faroe Islands and it was, uh, there, you were saying that they had discounted airplane tickets. Yeah. So they had deals with the, with some of the airlines. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, it was a pilot project that saw the temporary closure of 10 spots, popular tourist uh, spots in the Faroe Islands with the key maintenance projects identified by local municipalities, tourism centers, and villagers. And then, yeah, so they, they set up this organization to say, let's bring people in and we'll get work with the, the airlines and uh, travel agency to get them discounts. Uh, we'll set them up instead of putting them, you know, them having to pay for hotels and food and all that. We'll set them up with local families so you can stay there and there's foods provided, shelters provided. Yeah. All you've got to do is show up and work. Yes. Right. And the thing is, is if you had like five friends that were coming, so there's five years, they would put all, if you, on your application, you could say, said like, put us all together. So all five years would work together. Yeah. Now you didn't get to pick, you know, which project you worked on. You were just, five years were going on yeah. at whatever. Um, but they, what were some of the things, uh, the, they need a new pass and bird watching sites built. Yeah. Right. So rebuilt some cairns. Yeah. So that uh, visitors could spend time close to the ocean while watching birds. Yeah. Because apparently it's a big bird watching yeah, spot, right? Exactly. Uh, the puffins and all that go to the Faroe Islands. Mm-hmm. We saw them on Iceland, and they were doing their their yeah. migrating up that way. Clearing and mending walking paths, which are popular hiking routes. Uh, the current path to one of the scenic viewpoints was mended and steps were built in the steep areas where traffic has led to erosion. Because even when we were in Iceland, there was a couple spots that you go up these hills. And yeah, it's just these, like you say, goat paths that you're mm-hmm. walking up. Yeah. And when you get all those people walking and turning it up and stuff like, and then, you know, rocks are going down and, and the dirt's just, you know, getting up and then it rains and it turns into mud yeah. and slides down. There's a lot of erosion. All the erosion is, it just takes its toll. So they've now put steps in, right? Uh, there was cairns, like you said, needed to be maintained and new ones built. Uh, wayfinding signs needed to be at, put up and hiking signs that included hiking guidelines and maps were set up, that sort of. So they had all these little projects that they needed done. Mm-hmm. And they said, okay, well, you guys, this is what you're doing for three days. And this is what you guys are doing for three days. And this is what you guys are doing for three days. And apparently it was quite a success. Um, but yeah, they're, so they're, this was the pilot project. Yeah. And now they're going to, they're, they're planning to do a second one in 2020. So they haven't started accepting applications yet, but you can go on to, um, what is it? Visit com slash closed. And they have a whole bunch of information there, including an email, uh, address where you can send your information, like your email address. Yeah. And they just say, put the title closed for business or something like that. It says on the website so that when it comes time for that, they're accepting applications, they'll email you and say, here's the application, fill it out and send it back. That sort of deal. So they're, yeah. So, so get online there and, and throw it in there. It really sounds like a cool idea because there's all these places that are popular destinations that people love to go see. But it's really having, the toll is really starting to. Yeah. It's just wearing everything out. Yeah. It, 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 everything's getting worn out. And, um, you know, you start thinking of places like Machu Picchu. Oh yeah. Yeah. Right. Like the amount of people that go there. It's incredible. Yeah. It's, it's huge. Now, if you were to get a bunch of people and say, listen, you know what, for the next, something like that, you say for the next week, sort of an off season or whatever, yeah. um, we're closing it down. 
But if you want the chance to see it and work at, you know, repairing like some of the, the paths and stuff like that and the signs and yeah. little fences to keep people out of certain areas sort of stuff, then mm-hmm. put in your application and yeah, we'll get, you got to pay your way there and we'll, we'll get you there and that sort of stuff with, but, uh, you've got to work while you're there. I mean, the amount of places in the world that you, you, you think of where they could use that sort of, it's the pyramids. A, yeah. It's, it's stuff a fascinating, like that. it's genius to, this is a yeah. really, really good idea. I, I think it's it's definitely a way to get people involved. It's a way to get, I mean, free labor, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? I mean, realistically, you, you, you start to look at it, and that's what's the expensive part. Mm-hmm. You got to hire crews. I mean, if we took if we took here, what do you even at the, if you're been doing minimum wage? If you yeah. had a hundred people at fifteen dollars an hour for three days. Yeah. Think of that amount of money. Just do the, just do the math of that. Yeah. Right. And that's a lot of money that they didn't have to pay. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and like you say, you're, you, you get in touch with the locals that are willing to help out and they say, yeah, we'll take a few people to our place and, and whatnot. And it's all great. It really sounds like a, a something that could catch on like all around the world, not just in the Faroe Islands. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, so that was, uh. That was a pretty cool thing that you, you saw this one there. Yeah. I don't even know how I came across it. It was just like one of those things, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so yeah, maintenance work will be held again, April, 2020 final date to be confirmed soon. Yeah. If you would like to be notified when the registration opens, please send an email to maintenance crew at visit com. And Pharaoh is F A R O E. Uh, please write, notify me about 2020 in the subject line. You'll receive an email about when registration for 2020 will open and about how the registration process will take place. Pretty cool. Are you going to go? I don't know. You sure? (laughs) I think you should. Well, I, now you said that they gave discounted airline tickets and stuff like that to get there. Um. I, but I don't know. I, I I didn't see when I saw the discount part. I'm wondering if that's from like Reykjavik or something to the Faroe Islands. Yeah, because that's the second flight, right? Mm-hmm. Like you don't fly just from Toronto to the Faroe Islands. No, you got to fly from Toronto to Reykjavik. Yeah, in Iceland and then up or go to the UK and then over or something like yeah. that. So I I I uh, googled and I went to a couple travel sites and I was looking at uh, prices for airlines and flights. So depending on how many layovers you have and and what airline you go with, like the, I saw prices that varied from $1,200 right up to $8,000. And wow. some of the flights had like four layovers, 38 hours of travel time total. It's like, whoa. I think the shortest travel time was, uh, what did I see? I think I saw like uh, 16 hours or something. Really? Yeah. Well, there's there's layers. It's, you're not going to get routine flights to the Faroe Islands. So you'd fly to Reykjavik. Which and, is like four hours. Yeah. And you have like however long a layover and then you'd fly over to yeah. Faroe Islands, right? So it probably wouldn't be a very large aircraft going to the Faroe Islands. No. no I don't think you're going to find too many direct flights from Canada. I don't think there's any. I no, 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 there are no direct. everything had a layover yeah. for, from Canada. So. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. It's uh. And so, so there it's, uh, depending on like, what was it? Uh, I found that the cheapest day to fly was on a Wednesday, like uh, a Wednesday flight would be like 1200 bucks. And I'm talking April, 2020. 
And uh, like a Tuesday and a Thursday are like $7,000. Wow. <laughs> well, and see, the thing is, and you bring the point of that kind of money. Well, you don't want to go that, spend that on three days of working. No. But they give you the option if you want to extend your stay. Perfect. Right? Yeah. So not, you go there for three days, you do all the work. Yeah. And then you know what's <clears throat> what's there. You've talked to the locals, what's what's best things to yeah. see. Where do I so go? So now you're okay, well, for the next four or five days, yeah. I'm going sightseeing. I'm going to check it all out. And, and yeah. sightseeing, check out some puffins. Yeah. Um, and the prime minister, the Pharaoh's prime minister, even took part in all of this, which is cool. Yeah. But yeah, there's there's... Yeah, I think this would be some. Uh, Saturday night they had a big party. Mm-hmm. Well, they had they had a finishing party on the Sunday, but even the yeah. Saturday they had big things. Uh, participants sampled local beers, enjoyed uh, local DJ sets, took part in traditional chain dancing. I don't want to know. Uh, Pharaoh <laughs> folk dance, accompanied by ballads <laughs> sung by the dancers. All that sort. There's a whole. You know what? I mean, it was it'd be worth doing the work just to. Get that cultural exchange. Oh yeah, it'd be right? fascinating, right? And so you're going to get a uh, a different uh, view on the local culture and what goes on, more so than what you would uh, see. Like often when you go and do the touristy thing, you get a canned product. People mm-hmm. are, are producing something for tourists, so it's it's not as true as you'd hope you would see. It's it's produced for you. But this here is, uh, you're working with the locals, you're living with the locals, you're, you know, so you're going to get more of the, the local flavor and, and what it's like to live there, right? Yeah. So I, I think that's the, that's one of the more appealing parts of it. Well, what's cool about this is if it were to catch on other spots, yeah, you could go to places that offer, like if, if you went on a regular tour, kayaking or canoeing or, exactly. you know, rafting, stuff like yeah. that. And you do your work for three days yeah. and you get a chance to talk to the locals about, and chances are you're going to strike up a friendship with somebody who has the same interest. And once, once you're done that Sunday, he's, they, they may just say, you know what, let's go out. I'll take yeah. you, I'll take yeah. you to some of these spots that, you know, yeah. and yeah, I mean, it could work in your benefit that way. There's so many benefits to doing something like this, you know, that you, you, you probably wouldn't even think about until you're actually doing it and talking to people that are like the local people. Yeah. Find out stuff you don't know about, right? Mm-hmm. So I think that's pretty cool. And I, I, I hope they maybe other places start doing it. Yeah. It'd be fascinating. Like, and what a, what an ingenious way to, uh, to get free labor to improve a, a local uh, tourism spot or uh, remote areas or, or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. So you have people who are willing to spend their free time. So what you also have, and because people are volunteering to do it, you have people that are more engaged and more interested in doing what, you know, instead of having like, you know, a summer student clearing trails in Algonquin Park. So yeah, they're going to work hard, but they're not going to be as diligent as somebody who's volunteering their own time to do it because they want to. Yeah, definitely, right? definitely. So, I don't want to slam slammer students or anything, but. No, it's, it's, but it's, yeah. 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 So yeah, we'll keep an eye on that and see if we uh, see anything else and maybe you should uh, check it out for next year. I'm, I'm writing an email right now. Notify me of 2020. 2020. <laughs> I, I'd be interested to see what's on the um, registration form. Yes. Yeah. So cool. Anyway, let's take a quick break here. We come back. Uh, we got one more topic to talk about that might help you guys get ready for kayak season. Hey, this is Sean Rowley, and you're listening to Paddling Adventures Radio. 
To find out more about us, check out our website, paddlingadventuresradio.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Current and past episodes of our podcast can be downloaded or streamed from iTunes, Google Play, and the episode page of our website. If you have any questions, comments, or ideas for the show, we would love to hear from you. So drop us a line on Facebook or our website. Thank you for listening. Enjoy the show. This portion of the show is brought to you by Algonquin Outfitters. Algonquin Outfitters, providing quality Algonquin Park backcountry adventures for the entire family since 1961. Whether you want to get on the water for a day or a week, the friendly staff at Algonquin Outfitters can help you out. Find them online at algonquinoutfitters.com or visit one of their 12 locations. Algonquin Outfitters, your outdoor adventure store, with locations in Algonquin Park, Muskoka, and Halliburton. Welcome back. So last topic of the evening is kayak exercises. Mm-hmm. So we talked about, you know, getting ready for paddle season, that sort of thing. And, uh, um, people going to the gym and whatnot. Yeah. So there's a lot of stuff you can do at home and whatnot, but there's stuff that, when you're at the gym that they say is, is good to do. We came across this little article here, paddle exercising for endurance. So to prepare your body for this type of muscular endurance, the, the paddling, the kayak, Practice your paddling on land while sitting on an elevated surface, such as a weight bench or a workout block. Uh, they say, with your legs extended in front of you as if you were sitting in your kayak, hold a paddle or weighted body bar in your hands and practice proper technique for several minutes at a time. Do several three to five minute sets of rowing, alternating between cross stroke and paddling on each side. Now, funny enough, at work, I have an old computer tower that's dead. It's been dead. Okay. I don't even know why we still have it. <laughs> I put that under my desk yeah. and I put my feet on it and I sit in my chair. So it's like my feet are straight yeah. out. Like you're and sitting I'm in a kayak. Yeah, and like I'm sitting in a kayak and just sort of stretch the muscles, the bottom of yeah. my leg muscles and all that. Now, if I could get a kayak paddle in there, <laughs> so that would work. So that's what they say to do when you're actually in the gym is, um, like I say, they talk about the weight bench and stuff like that. Uh, I don't think I've ever seen anybody bring in a paddle to <laughs> to uh, the gym. Torso rotation for better rolls. Yes, this is important. Yeah. yeah. Find a Roman chair. So if you've ever seen the ones where it's like a half a weight bench and you lay down on it, but it only comes up to your waist. Yeah. And people usually cross their arms and they do their basically upside down sit-ups. Exactly, guess, yeah. Right? Yeah. Where your, legs, your legs are under... Uh, the rolls at the the end uh, yeah. behind your ankles holding you from falling over. So lie face down, one light dumbbell held by both hands, bend at the waist so your body is at a 90 degree angle with your upper body pointing down toward the ground. With the weight held out in front of you, lift your upper body and twist to one side until your entire body is parallel to the ground as well as your arms. Lower your upper body down again, then lift up and twist to the other side. Repeat 10 to 15 times, alternating signs for each sides for each repetition. The twisting motion combined with the resistance from gravity and the weights will train your core muscles in this manner uh, as you use them to maneuver a kayak upright. 
Yeah. So this will this will uh, strengthen. It, it this is a core muscle exercise, right? Your, yeah. You know your your uh, abs, your lower back, and stuff like that. So it uh, it it's great for. It, well, I I would use it just for my lower back because I have constant lower back problems. But uh, you don't need to if uh, you can get yourself a Roman chair. But like I would use uh like I have a big ottoman at home and. And uh, weight down your ankles and you can lean off the side of the ottoman, right? You yeah. don't have to go out and buy yourself a Roman chair. Outside of your bed. Oh, off the side of the bed, yeah. yeah. Off there the side go. of the bed, right? Yeah. Have somebody sit on your feet or something. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, and the last one they hear is uh, build strength with modified lat pull downs. This one, unfortunately, I think you got to do at the gym. Unless, yeah. You know, you got one of these yeah. at home. Stand in front of a cable stack with the cable at the highest setting and the rope attachment affixed. Reach up with your body straight and your abdominal muscles contracted and pull the rope down to one side of your body with both hands. Drive the cable as you would a paddle with the same motion and intensity. Let the cable return to the top, then pull down the other side. Repeat 10 to 15 times, alternating sides with each pull. So basically, it's like you're, you're, yeah, you're paddling sp- with, you're the, strength with the, building. with the poles, yeah. the holding, while well, holding the rope, right? Yeah. I do that on the, um, rowing machine. I'll pull it to the side mm-hmm. as opposed to just straight okay, back yeah. and I'll do the twist to the sides as yeah. well. Right. So I'll do it a few times this way and I'll do yeah. it this way and that sort of stuff. Or if I'm doing the time sort of thing on the, the rowing machine, yeah. I'll do, um, like two minutes on one side, two minutes on the other side, two minutes on the other side, keep rotating that way. And that way you're, you're getting that turning as well. Exactly. Right. And then yeah. you do the, the straight back and forth. Increase as, your flexibility, well. yeah. increase your muscle tone, increase your strength. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we uh, do that as well. So stuff to, to think about uh, while you're um, at the gym. I mean, talk to your, your trainers or the people that are there. They'll even give you some stuff. You Google stuff that like this uh, kayak exercises at the gym and, and this stuff will, will be there. Uh, I think that's all I've got this week. What about you? Yeah, that's all I got. That it? I got to save stuff for next week. Yeah, unless we start, we start. Well, you say no, yeah, because I think we have next week. We'll be doing a show, mm-hmm. and then the following three weeks will be the Kevin and Andy hour. <laughs> <laughs> Two or three weeks at least. Yes. <laughs> so we'll check that out. Well, already. Uh, if you want to find out more about us, you can find us at paddlingadventuresradio.com. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can find these podcasts on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or Player FM, and downloadable at all your favorite podcast downloading sites. You can also find them on the episode page at paddlingadventuresradio.com, where you can stream or download. And also check out our YouTube channel. We do have a new uh, YouTube video up with us. That uh, we do. Doing the Northwater Barrel Organization System. So check that out on YouTube. Uh, Other than that, I'd like to thank everybody for listening this week. I'm Sean Rowley. And I'm Derek Specht. We'll see you next time.